players to watch and storylines for the Ravens mandatory minicamp. We talk about that and more with a very special guest next year on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we've returned here with another episode of Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostrecker of Ravens Wire. Of course, we're here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked on Ravens your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms and more back. It is Tuesday, June 14th, which means mandatory minicamp has arrived. The Ravens having their media day yesterday. A bunch of guys looking good in their pads. J.K. Dobbins. We saw Gus Edwards as well. Even first looks at Marcus Williams and Kyle Fuller as well. But here with me today to break down some players to watch for minicamp, storylines, and more. It is our Taco Tuesday guest in Spencer Schultz of Baltimore Beatdown. Spencer, it's exciting. We're hitting those milestones before the 2022 regular season. How are you doing? Doing very well. Excited. Lamar Jackson back. Everybody back in action, get to see some rookies, some vets, everything in between. So football is uh, starting to be in the air. We're not quite there. Players will still have a nice little break before training camp starts, but they are back in Baltimore getting their media picks ready and everything of the sort. Yeah, and it's crazy because it feels like so long since we've seen these guys on the field. It's obviously been since about early January, and now we're again, we're getting closer and closer. But Spencer, the Ravens, they might not be done adding to this roster. They've obviously added a lot of talent through free agency and through the draft, but a player who visited the team last week, Jason Pierre-Paul, I know it's a player that many are potentially excited for bringing in, but I wanted to get your thoughts on his potential fit with the team. Obviously, the Ravens, it feels like they could definitely use a veteran pass rusher, especially with the uncertainties of Tyus Bowser and David Ajabo with their Achilles injuries. Do you feel like Jason Pierre-Paul, assuming the money works out, would be the best fit for that? potential veteran pass rusher role on this team or would you rather have that go to a familiar face in Justin Houston I would definitely prefer Justin Houston we've seen him in the system I think he was one of the best players in Baltimore's defense last year his ability to really dominate tight ends be a factor in the run game be consistent move quarterbacks off their spot and be a a real veteran leader to the younger guys was extremely valued and Jason Pierre-Paul could certainly do some of those things but we've already seen it in Justin Houston seen it manifest so I would personally prefer Houston but Pierre-Paul definitely could bring a little flavor that is a little different. He is a bigger guy that uh, probably has a little bit more functional strength still, even at this point in his career, and might be able to add some some different perspective for someone like Adafe Owe and David Ajabo and some other up-and-comers at the same time. But at this point, I would definitely rather see Justin Houston back in Baltimore. Yeah, and do you feel like the Ravens potentially could value that inside-outside versatility that Pierre-Paul has? He obviously played with the Giants for eight years, the Bucks for four, and was more of the the defensive line type with New York, then kind of moved over to the outside with Tampa. How do you feel like his positional versatility would fit in in terms of being able to move him inside while also standing him up sometimes? Well, the more you can do applies in any kind of profession and especially pertaining to football. So it's it's hard to say that it wouldn't have value. But at the same time, the Ravens have a, a lot of talent inside. Some mobile guys that bring in Travis Jones, bring back Michael Pierce, got Calais Campbell who can move around, Odafe Owe can move around. So I don't think they're really – Uh, needing someone that can do that necessarily. Would it be fun at times? Would there be some snaps there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's it's certainly an added benefit, but I don't think it's a a real needle mover. Yeah, and for me, I think Houston, again, you mentioned he's been in the system, and obviously it'll be a bit different with Mike McDonald there compared to Don Martindale, but it will be the same, I feel like, 
some of the same principles overall. So, I mean, personally, I mean, I've, I'd be okay with either Houston. I think the tender that he signed was, was around 2.5 million. So if that ends up going through, I think that's the amount that, that the Ravens would have him at for a year. We don't really know the money for Jason Pierre Paul. Do you feel like Spencer, he would be more or less than that tender that Houston would potentially come back with? Likely a slight bit more. I would think, I don't think he would be willing to play for a veteran minimum. Uh, maybe I'm mistaken, but I think the price tag would maybe be a million or two north of what Houston would end end up playing for in that situation. And I think it is like Houston. I know the sack numbers weren't necessarily there for him, but he provided a lot that was off of the box square. Obviously, he was talking about veteran leadership. He was also very close to a number of sacks where he just like barely didn't get there. The ball barely got out before he got there. So I think his production in terms of pure sack box score numbers doesn't tell the entire story there. But Spencer, somebody who didn't have any box score numbers in 2021 was Derek Wolf, who ended up undergoing surgeries and didn't play for the team. And now he posted that he underwent a second hip surgery. And the, the situation surrounding Derek Wolf Spencer, it's been, I'd say, uncertain over the past few months in terms of will he be on the roster? Will he not now? Actually releasing him won't save the Ravens any money. So at this point, it's either you trade him to save the money or you, I don't know, do you keep him on the roster? I don't know if a team would be willing to, to take on Derek Wolf now that he has had these two hip surgeries. What, what's your feeling on this whole situation now with this new news coming out? Feels like Wolf might uh, retire. Ravens would still be liable for paying him a bit and have the cap hit to a degree. I think that would be the most likely outcome of someone that has a Hip impingement surgery, uh, not that I'm a medical expert, but seems like the timeline is at least three months, if not six months, depending on the severity and depending on the length of the procedure as well. So it uh, doesn't sound like he'll be around for training camp if that's the case. But otherwise, you know, if, if it was maybe more of a cleanup or maybe more than meets the eye, then certainly Wolf could be back. But at the same time, you know, you got to think about someone's quality of life after football and, and risk versus reward and some of those things, having two hip surgeries at his age with his uh, amount of injuries that he's had throughout his career definitely would be an uphill battle. Uh, so I think I would be a little bit surprised at least to see him uh, take the field for the Ravens, especially in the first half of the 2022 season. Right. His, his career has been very injury filled. So, you know, he, he's a player that played extremely well for them in 2020, one of the best run stoppers in the league. But again, someone who at this point with the injury, you just don't know. And yeah, you, you do want to value that quality of life. So we'll see what ends up happening with Wolf. But Spencer, how would those snaps be split up? Assuming, you know, a fully healthy season of Derek Wolf, he's a good player. He'd be getting snaps on the field. So now with potentially him not being there and something I know that we've talked about, the potential of that, how would you see those snaps being split up among maybe the younger guys? Do veterans get more play in there? What, what do you think about that? Definitely think Justin Matabike takes a, a six, seven hundred plus snap workload minimum in that case. At the same time, Travis Jones, Broderick Washington going to take snaps there. Washington definitely comfortable playing some three tech through four I and Jones certainly comfortable playing some three tech as well. So I think we'd see those two have a, a pretty significant uptick in their rotational role, as well as obviously Calais Campbell, you know, still getting a, a full workload. And like I said, Justin Matabike, I think, would take a, a really substantial workload and have every opportunity to prove himself as a really capable NFL starter that uh, has has a ton of opportunity to command a second contract. Yeah, and you mentioned Calais Campbell. I, ju I just thought of how would you manage his workload? Because you obviously want him to be on the field. He's one of the best defensive linemen on the roster. But in terms of his actual snap count, I know a lot of people wanted his workload a, a bit managed last year. And he ended up playing the most snaps on the defensive line by far 
on the Ravens. So what would be a comfortable snap number, maybe snap percentage number for you where you're thinking Clay's Campbell can still make a huge impact, but still have his role managed enough to where he's still feeling good all the way through December, January, potentially the playoffs there too. Well, Clay's Campbell's always been a workhorse. Um, feels like he's, he's really always been able to take significant snaps uh, Fallen off a little bit in Baltimore, had a couple of little injuries. I think he had 475 ish snaps in 2020 and somewhere around 600 in 2021 prior to that i think he played probably six seasons plus of 800 plus snaps so somewhere around 500 snaps i think is the the best way to really activate him he is still one of the best run defenders in the league and you go draft a guy like travis jones to see what he can do as a pass rusher justin matabike of course a supreme athlete michael pierce can give you a little bit as well as Broderick washington so uh campbell definitely you want to want to try and manage that workload ultimately but i think somewhere around 500 maybe 600 at most snaps is the best way to keep him healthy, keep him fresh. And that's kind of been where he's been at. So ultimately maybe, I mean, even below that could be optimal because he has had to deal with some injuries, but uh, at his, at this point in his career, the position he plays, the amount of wear and tear he's had on his body, it could kind of just be dependent on him playing or not playing more so than maybe, you know, hundred snaps here or there in a given season. Right. You, you definitely want to have him fresh for, for down the stretch. And I think that he is still he is still capable of doing it. He's still capable of putting up the, the snap numbers, I'd say. But at the same time, you want to kind of think smart with these things. I know the Ravens do and they're probably going to play it. A bit, I don't know what their guys are like. They're probably going to play it a bit more safe this year just to make sure the injuries don't happen as much. And again, you can never predict that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I think if Campbell's feeling good in, in December, in January, I think the Ravens will have a much better chance to win as opposed to if he's worn down because he's been playing so much. So again, hopefully the injury bug doesn't doesn't hit too hard for the Ravens this year. I know it did last year and it was a it was a time. I'll say that much. We'll head into our first break here on Locked On Ravens. When we get back, we'll be diving into some storylines and players to watch on the offensive side of the ball for mandatory minicamp. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to talk about here on Locked On Ravens. First, though, I do want to tell you a bit about Blue Nile. And whether you're ready to pop the question or celebrating a milestone moment, find Julie as unique as her with modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. They have simple online tools that you choose a diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting style and Blue Nile's bench rulers. Well, then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each is one of a kind, and you can look for fine jewelry. But if you're having trouble choosing, you can have Blue Nile. They're experts. They're on hand 24-7 help you out. They're available via phone or from chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. So make your moment sparkle with Julie from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports List. Get $50 off a purchase of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement, so use code Locked On. That's code Locked On. Plus, every owner's insured, tips free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't let you give away what's inside. So shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Oshaker is still here with Spencer Schultz. And Spencer, we're here. <laughs> we're mandatory minicamp. And I know there, there are a lot of positional battles to watch and offensive players to watch and even just storylines in general. So, Let's start off with some players to watch them. We can kind of move into some storylines relating to those guys. On offense, there are, I think, a bunch of them. You have young guys in the running back room, obviously the wide receivers as well, tight ends you're looking at, and especially on the offensive line. I think we I think we know who Lamar Jackson is at this point. I don't know that he's necessarily a player to watch at this point, but who are some of the guys you have your eye on for this three-day mini camp and who you want to maybe see some things out of and that have these guys prove to the coaches and even their teammates that, hey, they these guys deserve more snaps or just a roster spot in general? Yeah, I think that I'm very interested to see this kind of second batch of wide receivers, Vin- Benjamin Victor, uh, Jalen Moore, two guys that have been with the Ravens for a little while and are probably going to get a ton of opportunity. So 
I would definitely say they are two to watch out for. I think Victor has every chance to make this roster as things stand, especially if the Ravens don't add a veteran, then he is probably the you know, second kind of big body on that outside behind Rashad Bateman that can go fill that X role and be that type of receiver that can really thrive outside the numbers. So definitely a really interesting one to watch for. Also the tight ends, rookie tight ends, Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kohler, two that we really want to see what they can do um, defensively. Christian Welch is a guy that has an opportunity to, to thrust up ahead as well as Malik Harrison. Curious to see how those two continue to progress as well as Brandon Stevens, another one that is going to have a unique role, able to play in the nickel play, uh, a really unique role, get a ton of matchup possibilities and be able to be put in advantageous situations where he's most confident. So those are a couple of players that I'm definitely really interested to see how they kick into gear as things get going. Yeah, I also think the running backs as well. I mean, Justice Hill is somebody who will be fighting with Tyler Beatty and, and Mike Davis for the number three and potentially maybe number four running back jobs, depending on personnel. Spencer, I know we've talked about it before, but I think this is a big time for these guys to maybe shake up personnel decisions in terms of, hey, if, if they have six wide receivers who potentially are extremely talented, do they keep those six in favor of you know, maybe getting rid of a running back or do they keep the four running backs and in five wide receivers. I mean, I think the running back competition is something that obviously is going to be a huge factor in it. I think depending on whether they keep three or four, you have quality options there. So what, what's your overall feeling about like Tyler Beatty, Mike Davis, Justice Hill, and those players competing? Definitely feels like JK Dobbins is probably a little bit ahead of Gus Edwards at this point and will maybe resume action a little bit earlier. So with that being said, Mike Davis is a veteran that you can rely on. You can count on him on third down. You can count on him to be productive in practice and have a, a certain level of work ethic, certain standard that he's going to be able to bring. Journeyman, who's been in a couple different locker rooms and been able to be successful to a degree. So definitely Mike Davis is going to be the example setter. And we'll see between Justice Hill and Tyler Beatty. It feels like Beatty might have a similar skill set while not quite the track athlete that runs in the Hill family, but is a, a really powerful runner for his frame and a versatile runner that I think is going to be really interesting to see what he can do in the power and zone schemes separately, as well as the fact that he is a viable receiving option and showed that a ton at Mizzou, showed that a ton in Mobile, and probably is going to be a, a little bit of a factor. I really like Beatty. I think he's going to be an interesting player and is an NFL player. So I guess that will ultimately be said. So I, I'm going to give him the nod over Justice Hill, who is coming off of injury and is in the final year of his contract. Uh, I think that Mike Davis being that kind of consummate veteran is someone that we could see get a, a fair amount of touches ultimately week one, especially if a guy like Gus Edwards isn't quite ready. And the Ravens are going to want to manage the workload, especially early on for J.K. Dobbins, make sure that he is as comfortable as possible. Yeah, they they have brought in the depth necessary, I think, to be able to manage the workloads. And I think that's a big thing here because you're looking at where they suffered injuries. Running back, they brought in a lot of depth. Corner, they have a lot of depth there as well, depending on what happens with Marcus Peters. Offensive line, the tackle position, a ton of depth now, depending on what happens with Ronnie Stanley. They have options there too. So I think they've done a great job of building up depth in most of their positions. Maybe they could still stand to add a veteran wide receiver or a veteran pass rusher. But for now, I think they, they've done a very good job at that. But Spencer, speaking of the offensive line, one of the storylines for me is the left guard competition that I think is an open job right now. You have guys like Patrick McCarry and Tyree Phillips and Ben Powers and Ben Cleveland seemingly competing for that job. What, what are your initial thoughts on that right now? Yeah, I definitely think that Tyree Phillips, you know, is coming off a little bit of an injury, but is going to be given every opportunity again to, to run with that starting job. Cleveland in year two, the Ravens really aren't a team that typically trots out rookie offensive linemen. And they did do that with Tyree Phillips. And then they did give him the job yet again. 
Cleveland, I think, has much more upside as a pass protector, but Phillips is a much more natural fluid mover, especially in the run game. And having some of that tackle skill set should be all right as if he's able to really, as he should finally be able to really hunker down and spend time at left guard and, and be consistent there, not being forced into playing tackle in a pinch over and over again uh, for the third straight year. The Ravens should finally have enough tackle depth between McCary and James and Falele and uh, behind their starters ultimately to be able to avoid that situation. So I do really like Tyree Phillips. I do think Ben Cleveland will be the, the future. I think we end up seeing him probably start in the second half unless Phillips is really good. Um, could certainly win the job outright. And again, I think he is the much higher uh, potential or higher caliber pass protector as things stand super quick hands, keeps his head on a swivel really well, his understanding of games and can drop an anchor about as well as anyone I've seen coming into the league in the last few years at the guard position. So I think in the long term, it will be Cleveland, but I think it's Tyree Phillips job to lose to a degree. And Cleveland's really going to have to outwork Phillips, which seems like a bit of a, a tall task considering the Ravens have had so much confidence in Phillips throughout his young career. Yeah, I know a lot of people might be rubbed the wrong way on Phillips because of his play at tackle, but I just I think he is so much better suited for guard, and he showed a lot of quality play there. I mean, you're right; he got the job in week one, went down with the injury, and it was it was unfortunate, but he was he played well, and so I think that he for me is a player that I think is maybe the favorite for that job right now. Maybe it is McCary, but I think he's better suited as the the super sub six guys. I know we've talked about Spencer. So I think that Tyree Phillips is my pick right now with Ben Cleveland is, is the backup guy. And then Ben powers. Maybe he finds a back end roster spot. Maybe he's just outright released or, or, or traded. There are potential options for that. But again, there's, there's so much time to figure out these starting jobs, but especially something I talked about yesterday was the potential role for some of these rookies. And you mentioned Daniel Falele, who is behind some very talented veterans. And again, the tackle depth the Ravens have built up, I think is great. Morgan Moses and Juwan James and Falele there. What would be a path to playing time for Falele? Is is this more of a redshirt year for him where he's going to be learning behind these veterans and there's not really that clear path? Or is it going to take a bunch of injuries there to get him on the field? Or do you see a path where he could potentially play if something goes wrong with a veteran or two? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's quite a redshirt year, but in in effect it is for Falele. He still does have some work to do in his true pass sets. He said it. Everybody knows it. Uh, but at the same time, I think he's an exciting player, and what he can do in the run game truly is a high-impact player being inserted. So wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of elephant rhino packages with him being inserted as a sixth offensive lineman, some jumbo stuff, some offset stuff and able to insert him, make him be a little bit of a, a fun player, especially in short yardage or goal-to-go situations uh, down by the by the end zone ultimately. So I think there is a path to him playing. Um, it would be that Morgan Moses can't go or needs to play on the other side for some reason, and that Jawan James isn't able to go. I think they would be a little quicker to go to James if he truly is healthy and able to be uh, back to his professional self. I think they would be more quick and steadfast to go to James especially early in the season, but I could see Falele really putting in the work and, and in the second half, maybe being a guy that uh, shoots up the depth chart to that true number two role. But at the same time, you know, they brought in Moses, Moses for a reason, a year or two of decent quality play. You know what you're getting with Morgan Moses. And at the same time, that'll allow for Falele to get that development that is needed in some of those true passing situations, understand how to utilize his length, understand how to, uh, be more clean and efficient and have his high level reps be brought to consistency. So I don't think we're going to see him early, but I think we're going to see a ton in the preseason. We're going to hear a ton about him during camp. 
and is going to be one of the more exciting players, especially of a middle round offensive lineman uh, in the past few years in, in the NFL, let alone for the Ravens. Yeah, he, he is a massive human, someone who I think, again, has the, all the potential in the world, but the Ravens have brought in these solid veterans. Morgan Moses, someone who has been very, very durable over the course of his career, so hopefully that does not change. In Baltimore, he's able to play a full, healthy season. But yeah, I would be very excited to see the Ravens try to lay in those those big jumbo packages and how you get Ricard in there and, and all these big guys and just, just run the rock, which we all know the Ravens are so good at. But Spencer, a player who interests me and one of the players I'm personally watching is Tyler Wallace, someone who at this point feels like a player who's going to take on a much bigger role than what we saw from him in his rookie season, just based off of pure depth, but a very intriguing player, someone who I thought was not going to be available anywhere near the fourth round come out of Oklahoma state. What do you envision his role being? I think we're going to see him inserted into a lot of, uh, a lot of three receiver looks. I think we're going to see him on first down or in some run situations or run calls a good bit as well. Uh, Definitely has the tenacity as well as, the foundation or fundamentals as a run blocker to go be a plus player. Um, someone who's tough is a football player. You can see it on special teams, it's a broad, broad term to use, but you can see it on special teams. He figures out ways to get the job done. He is a, an athlete that isn't quite as explosive as he once was. Maybe is able to recover a little bit more of that as a younger guy that is now a good bit removed from that ACL injury in college. But I think we're going to see him used in the slot. I think we're going to see him used out wide, used him in all kinds of situations. I would expect his usage as things stand to be pretty substantial. I mean, uh, at the worst case, he's your fourth wide receiver. And probably, you know, like I, I mentioned, Benjamin Victor, it's kind of him, Victor, and maybe, you know, one of those rookie UDFAs that are going to be competing for snaps on the outside, aside from Rashad Bateman or behind Rashad Bateman. So I'm curious to see, but I think Wallace is a really hard worker, is someone who's natural in the football field in any kind of role you put him in. Could definitely see him being used somewhat similarly to a Willie Sneed a little bit in this Greg Roman offense. So I think that there's a lot of opportunity for him. He's going to be a very, very, very heavily relied upon special teamer and is a good gunner. We saw a ton of that from him. I think we're going to see him continue to do so. And maybe he can be like a, a Chris Moore that actually can translate onto the offensive side of the ball a little bit more so. Yeah, I know a lot of people are excited to see Devin DuVernay and Tylen Wallace and James Perche in these increased roles. A very young wide receiver room, but one with a ton of potential. I know Wallace factors into that. So, yeah, I think he's a player to watch for me on the offensive side of the ball. We're going to head into our final break here on Locked on Ravens. Still a ton to talk about when we get back. We'll be diving into defensive players to watch and storylines there for mandatory minicamp. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to talk about on Locked on Ravens. First, I do want to tell you a bit about Bet Online. And BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup between the Celtics and the Warriors. You have the Stanley Cup finals in the NHL, Major League Baseball, and, of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing as well. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports, waging information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today to use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. We're back here with our final segment of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with Spencer Schultz. And Spencer, on the defensive side of the ball here, a lot of talent, a lot of talent for sure. We talked a bit about the defensive line in the first segment, so I'll I'll kind of shy away from that a little bit because I think we've had a lot of that conversation. But I think the outside linebacker group is one that's very intriguing. And a player that I'm looking at is Jalen Ferguson. This is a make-or-break year for him, in my opinion, someone who I know hasn't put up the production that many would have liked to see. What, what are your overall feelings on Jalen Ferguson and what he can bring this year? 
Well, I think Jalen Ferguson has been misused a little bit or, or forced into a role that doesn't quite fit what his skill set was coming out of Louisiana Tech. Uh, he apparently is as thin and in shape and lean as he has ever been, which is a great thing for any athlete. So a big part of what has been strange for Ferguson is feels like he hasn't been able to, to be a strong side run defender, maybe the way he was expected to be able to and competently diagnose and execute his assignment when the ball comes to him. Uh, definitely has gotten lost on some misdirections, some counters, some reverses, things of that nature. So for him to have a breakout, he really needs to be someone who's been with the Ravens for going into four years now and needs to be someone that is one of the quickest to diagnose and process and understand the expectations, understand what to do. Um, this might sound a little funny, but I know he has really bad eyesight. Apparently that's, that's cleared up a little bit too. I think he had a procedure there too. So something that can help, but at the same time, you know, sack daddy has not showed a ton of prowess or ability to uh, work through blockers as a pass rusher at this point. So hopefully he's more explosive. Hopefully he's more flexible and more dedicated, taking himself seriously in a contract year. It is a make or break season. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And for him to, uh, be, I mean, he basically has as much room to take snaps and earn money as a professional football player as anyone. Tyus Bowser coming off of an Achilles. David Ajabo is injured. Justin Houston is still a question mark. Dalen Hayes has had substantial injury problems. Everyone other than Odafe Owe, who is also coming off of a shoulder injury, um, you know, is, is not going to have as much opportunity this offseason to really prove themselves to the coaching staff as Jalen Ferguson with maybe a little bit of a... a more simple role as a pass rusher, maybe a little bit leaner, a little bit more explosive, having Mike McDonald come in and simplify things just a touch in terms of frequency of twists and stunts and things of that nature. He uh, could have a little bit of a breakout here. And hey, if he's a five, six sack player, I think the Ravens would be over the moon for that kind of production. If he's someone that can go play 500 snaps for you, go log some sacks, be a productive player in the run game in any way, shape or form it would go a long way. He has been strong against the run as a backside defender. He can close really well. He has a ton of length and tackle radius. And I think he's a really consistent pursuit defender in those situations. So hopefully that's able to translate. He's able to understand and shock and shed and be a little quicker to the punch and process quicker in the run game. And then he'll have all the possibility in the world to earn snaps. And maybe, you know, a guy like Justin Houston can spend a lot more time on the bench if he comes back, or maybe you don't need to rush Tyus Bowser back quite as quickly or things of that nature. So I don't know if there's a player that has as wide of an array of outcomes possible on this Ravens defense in terms of playing time, in terms of contract, in terms of proving themselves, things of that nature as Jalen Ferguson. Yeah. And I know Spencer, I've talked about this with you before, but the players I keep going back to in Ferguson's case are Bowser and Tim Williams and kind of their career trajectories where it took them both a couple of years to kind of feel themselves out, get comfortable. And with Bowser, obviously in the third year, we started to see a lot of that potential in his career trajectory, obviously has gone way up at this point. Tim Williams, he wasn't putting it together and the Ravens ended up getting rid of him during that 2019 season. But I feel like for Ferguson, he's a player that is very talented, but at the same time, he's, he does, you're right. He does have so much room to improve in terms of just getting snaps and being able to go and get those because of the fact that you don't know what Tyus Bell is right now with the Achilles. You don't know what David Ajabo. So you're relying on, 
either inex- more inexperienced guys than Ferguson, such as Owe or Dalen Hayes, Vince Beagle potentially getting some snaps out there. I mean, I think that Ferguson has a clear path to playing time, depending on what happens with the veteran situation, whether it is Pierre Paul or Houston or both or neither of them. So yeah, Ferguson's a player that I'm watching, but Spencer, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the inside linebacker position. And I think that's a big storyline here because Patrick Queen entering year three, big year for him. Seems like he's ready for it, but then you also have guys like Malik Harrison and Kristen Walsh and Josh Bynes coming back to some undrafted guys. How, how confident are you in this inside linebacker group right now? I'm really confident in Patrick Queen. I think we've just seen more and more the type of player that he's capable of being. I think that his confidence is in a good spot. And I think he's a player that does need confidence in himself in order to play well, uh, very much so. At this point, he is still a super young player, but we've seen some other linebackers such as Tremaine Edmonds uh, up in Buffalo kind of struggle to make their way to the top of the league, uh, coming in and experienced and having to play a little bit of catch up, things of that nature. Patrick Queen definitely has shown uh, more consistent ability to keep square, able to diagnose, stay with plays, or be quick when he needs to. Definitely an explosive blitzer, uh, capable of really running plays down in the open field, punching the ball out, doing all kinds of fun things. So that consistency is something that you're hoping, again, in a defense that supposedly is supposed to be more uh, watered down a little bit, especially for linebackers in terms of the possibility of outcomes for them on given looks. Uh, and simplifying, allowing them to play fast, freeing them up. So I'm excited to see Patrick Queen definitely. Aside from him, you know, Josh Bynes seems to just consistently be able to go play on first and second down, able to get his hand on some footballs and break up some passes here and there. Um, Another guy that really is in a make-or-break situation is Malik Harrison, been granted a second lease on football uh, with with the, you know, favor of a couple millimeters or micrometers of a bullet that goes through his leg that doesn't end his career, doesn't even force him to miss the rest of the season during last year's bye week. So you would love to see him come in, dedicate himself, have the the kind of ability to go be that kind of impact powerful player that can go play some outside linebacker for you, go take on blocks head on, do things like when we saw him his rookie year, take on Quentin Nelson and snap Nelson's head back into a play. Um, definitely has the length, definitely has the athletic prowess to be a player on third down at diff- at some time uh, or, or in some looks, pardon me. So this group um, definitely is a, a side. I think every, every single player in this group is looking to prove something. Patrick Queen is looking to prove he doesn't have to come on the field and maybe can wear that green dot and can be a true impact player, pro bowl type player. Josh Bynes is looking to prove that he can still play and he's still got the juice and is still going to be a valuable player worthy of giving snaps and is that veteran that you can rely on despite his age. And then Malik Harrison we talked about, and then Christian Welch is trying to prove that he is an NFL player that can go and be inserted into a defense and give you quality snaps to some degree, make himself be a longtime pro. And then it leaves us with Vince Beagle, who's looking to prove that he's healthy and looking to prove that he can stay on the field and he can go be a journeyman and maybe get a couple more contracts before his uh, cleats are hung up. So I think that's the best way to look at this linebacker situation is each of these players and this group as a whole is really looking to prove themselves. Yeah, and it is a position where I think that, you know, with the departure of Chris Board, there will be other opportunities for players. But I think that still Patrick Queen is is the key to that. And I think having Josh Bynes there, bringing him back, having have, having him have a full offseason and not just coming in in the, the middle of the year, like week four or something, that'll be huge for Bynes and just the whole group in general to have that continuity and consistency with each other. But I mean, Spencer, the secondary, there are so many players, so much depth there at both corner and safety. I mean, who, who are some players you're watching as minicamp goes on here? 
definitely Geno Stone, Brandon Stevens, uh, Ardarius Washington, who I believe is recovering from a, a little bit of a, an issue, an injury, if I'm not mistaken. Um, all these fringe guys. Of course, Jalen Armour Davis is going to have every possibility to prove himself as someone that could become a starter in year two, three, or four, somewhere down the road. Um, someone else who's had some injury problems throughout their collegiate career and was finally healthy last year ends up becoming a fourth round pick because of it. So I'm really looking more towards these fringe guys, you know, Marlon Humphrey, you know what you're getting. Everyone's looking for him to have a bounce back year, but he's going to look good in practice. He always does. He's a hard worker and definitely brings the intensity. Um, in the secondary, you know, Marcus Williams, I, I, it's hard to go at, see, you know, what you expect him to be in practice or anything like that is a big ticket item, but I don't think there's a ton of assumptions we can draw out of OTAs. Um, we're just going to hear the cliches that, you know, that he's learning the defense, he's communicating, he's Chuck Clark is helping him, things of that nature uh, overall. But I'm, I'm really excited to see what these depth guys do, especially, like I mentioned, Geno Stone, Brandon Stevens, two guys that have played, have made plays and shown that they can hang around in the NFL for sure, especially as Brandon Stevens continues to develop him being specialized into certain roles after having real usage as a starter in, in the safety position, which was a new position for him more so, uh, did play more corner in college, is just going to be more fun. And I think it could be really fun for his development, getting kind of thrown into the deep end last year to a degree in the second half of the season, then coming out of that, learning, being a fantastic athlete, being specialized, able to go be a matchup player, and maybe be that player that uh, is used the way that Jimmy Smith was talked about being used, a, a tight end matchup guy, someone that can play that um, hash number vertical plane, be a dimebacker, be a nickel corner, be a safety and play on that plane would be a ton of fun. So someone that I think is a, a really fun storyline this season, and I'm really excited to see how his athleticism continues to allow him to blossom throughout his development in the Ravens defense. Yeah. And I mean, we, we know what happened with the Ravens secondary last year, injuries, poor play. I think the Ravens, again, as I talked about, they position themselves well here with a I think a plethora of veteran depth, young guys as well, a good balance, a good mesh of those guys. So you have your stars, you have the veterans, you have the young guys as well. The Ravens will probably have some tough decisions to make with their secondary in terms of maybe a couple guys who prove themselves, but there's just not enough room because they have to keep maybe another offensive lineman or another defensive lineman. So I'm very interested to see how these guys perform because again, all these snaps are important. All these reps are important. It's given the coach is an opportunity to see, you know, who, who deserves playing time, who deserves a roster spot. And a lot, a lot more goes into that than just mini camp. But I still think at the end of the day, the Ravens have the secondary depth this year. I feel much more confident this year than I did last year going into mini camp about their secondary depth. But Spencer, that's all I have for you today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for joining me here on this taco Tuesday. What do you have going on in Baltimore Redown right now as mini camp kicks off here? Doing the same thing, breaking down positions, getting into some more historic stuff. We're going to be looking at, uh, ranking the 24 first round picks that have all had their uh, basically through the 2018 class in the Ravens history. Baltimore Beatdown has ranked them. So we'll have some podcast episodes, some articles coming out on that. You can find those anywhere you get your podcast, the Baltimore Beatdown podcast, as well as BaltimoreBeatdown.com, SB Nation affiliate there. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Make sure to give Kevin five stars. The man who gives you the best daily Ravens coverage, reward him, share this podcast with a friend, do all those great things. And I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much, Spencer. I do appreciate that. Be sure to check out Spencer's work. The link to his Twitter and his podcast and everything will be in the description below. So check it out. But thanks again, Spencer. That's all I have for you here today on Locked On Ravens. When we get back here tomorrow, we'll be answering your mailbag questions. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And I will see you tomorrow.